Every once in a while, I get a kinked neck. And it's been years since I realized it's always around the time where I feel someone is being a kink in my neck, like annoying me. And this time, it's myself. I am annoying myself, and I think it's kind of proof that I am shifting out of victimhood because what I'm going to explain is in the moment, my husband is being my kink in my neck. But after reflection, mm, it's, it's myself. It's myself. So I have an appointment with my woo-woo chiropractor today for my neck, and we will see what emotion he comes up with. He asks my body, hey, what's the emotion in your body that's causing this kinked neck? And we will see. We will see. Anyways, I love that this has all come to light at the full moon for me. I just don't think there's any accidents. I just think that's that's cool. I don't really place a whole lot of energy on full moons and new moons. I just... I just notice what themes are really coming up around these bigger energy times. So my husband and I went to Florida for a mini vacation. I mean, it was a vacation, but I got to spend quality time with him for many days. And when you spend quality time with your partner, you know, or your child 24-7, shit's going to come up. Because that's their job. Their job is to awaken everything in you that wants to come up for healing. A lot of times they trigger our own darkness. And then we have to face that darkness. And that's what I noticed in Florida. So, so many things came up in Florida. And I'm going to explain exactly what every little circumstance that I was so annoyed with myself because this is how I think I can help people. I love, I love when people tell me real raw stories between, you know, them and their child or them and their partner because I can relate to it. And when I can relate to someone, I can put myself in their shoes and a lot of times I can learn something from them. I just, I I've been thinking that I don't value when people on Instagram are so happy and so grateful and so uh, in love and everything on Instagram because it's not valuable to me. Like I value being grateful in my everyday life and I do think it's a practice I practice almost every day. It's very important to me, but if someone continuously posts their happiness or their gratitude on Instagram, I don't necessarily learn anything from it. And I don't know what that means, but that's why I love posting or talking about real, 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 real shit. Because that's how I learn. That's how I learn from people. And I don't know if there's like a deeper trigger to people's like happiness and gratitude on Instagram, I think I'm, I'm skeptical because we know 
people gloss over struggles on Instagram and just showcase the peaks. They don't showcase the valleys, which they don't have to. But I'm saying for me, I value when people showcase valleys. I value when people showcase their struggles because I can relate to them and then I feel human and I don't feel alone and then I don't feel shame and then I don't feel guilt. It just makes me feel better when I know other people struggle. And I think a lot of people are like this. So this is why I'm doing this podcast episode. And I wish I could do more episodes like this, but I can only really do it when shit comes up for me and when me and my husband have like a little bit more discord because then I have content. If like we're smooth sailing, I don't have content. (laughs) So, okay. So one of the most annoying things I was doing in Florida was telling my husband where to park. Why do I care where he parks? Why can't I trust him to park wherever he wants to make that judgment call? Why why can't I trust him to park? I couldn't believe that I had to control where we parked the car. And I think this is quite common, to be honest. But I think this is control issues. This is the ego needing control. And then this specific story. So we were driving and then we kind of parked. And I'm like, hey, yeah, let's just park here. We parked. I'm like, let's just park here. It's great. It's fine. And then he's like, no, I want to park down the street. And so I'm like, okay, (laughs) okay. Then we drive down the street and there's no parking, none. So we do a whole loop and then park back to where we originally parked, where I said to park. And my ego felt so great. My ego was like, yeah, I'm right. We should have just parked here. And it was such a enlightening experience for me that the ego uses the smallest ways to need control want control and to feel right to feel superior like i'm right you're wrong why is that such a gratifying feeling it's obviously a gratifying feeling to the ego the ego is being right and the ego feels superior and that's just one one tiny daily example of how the ego gets puffed up and gets inflated and this is exactly how relationships or marriage or children are our spiritual practice every single day because this is the stuff that happens every single day our life is a spiritual practice I was watching how badly my ego wanted control over a freaking parking space. But if I really tapped into my higher self, my soul, it would say, it's all good. Yeah, parking doesn't matter. It's all good. All is well. Because that's always the voice of the soul. Always. It is so content accepting, peaceful, and the ego isn't. So my other stories, 
are about how I'm a hypocrite. So with this pandemic, my belief is that we are all sovereign beings. We are all sovereign humans that should be able to make our own responsible decisions for ourselves and our bodies. We know ourselves best, so we need to choose decisions for the health of our body for ourselves. And everybody needs to be honored in whatever they choose, whether you wear a mask, whether you get the vaccine or don't, everyone needs to be honored for their choice. And the ego makes it hard. The ego wants to make fun of people that choose differently than you. The ego wants to, you know, say they're wrong, I'm right, the whole deal. And especially in the whole birth conversation, all I talk about is that women are sovereign beings that need to choose decisions for their bodies and their babies for themselves, not by a doctor, not by Google, nothing. So I believe this, this is what I talk about. But then there's these situations that have come up when I was in Florida where, so our woo-woo chiropractor told Malcolm to put oregano oil in his belly button twice a day because he has like this viral infection or something. And when you put, supposedly when you put oil in your belly button, it goes into your lymph, lymph system But when you swallow a pill, it goes to more so like your brain and your gut. So he said, hey, put oregano oil in your belly button twice a day. And I started doing it too because I'm like, oh, I can help my lymph system out. And Malcolm hasn't been doing it. And I get on my high horse and try to mother him. And I'm like, hey, put the oregano oil in your belly button. Number one, why do I care what he does with his body? Well, okay, you can argue I love him and I want him to be healthy. But I think it's the ego trying to have control and dominance over someone else saying, hey, you do this. Do this. You need to do this. And that is the same energy as if I'm not wearing a mask And someone says, hey, wear a mask. They're telling me what to do with my body. I don't believe in that. I think that's ridiculous. But I do it to Malcolm. Because I have an ego. And the ego loves to control people. And loves to be right. And loves to point the finger. But I am a hypocrite. And we're all hypocrites in some way. It's just whether you're willing to look at your behavior like if your behavior truly lines up with your belief system which I try really hard but clearly you know there's these situations like I'm talking about now that aren't lining up for me where I don't believe it's right to tell someone else what to do with their body yet I'm doing it to Malcolm This is the stuff that you face when you're actually honest with yourself. When you can take a real inventory on your behavior and be honest with yourself. Because I could stay in my ego and keep doing this behavior to Malcolm. Yet that means my energy is split and I'm not living in authenticity with what I believe. If I believe everyone is their own sovereign being and everyone 
needs to make decisions for their own body, then my action and my behavior should be lining up to that. And, and it hasn't been, and it, and it wasn't in Florida. But now I'm aware of it. So now that I'm aware of it, my mantra is, Leah, zip your lips. This has been my mantra for more than a year, and I still have so much work to do. Zip your lips. The other really small story that I realized just by the thoughts in my head was I was on the beach and Malcolm was still in the Airbnb and I was sitting there, I had my hat on and I had a thought in my head saying, oh, I should text Malcolm to bring one of my hats for himself because he went to Florida and he didn't bring sandals or a baseball hat. Like, like these are the decisions that men do that I think women are bothered by and women are like so responsible and are like, hey, and they need to tell an adult male, hey, you need to bring beach sandals and you need to buy, you need to bring a baseball hat for the sun on the beach. You need to protect yourself. And this is such a woman thing. It's a woman behavior, I think, that women try to be so responsible for their partners and their men. And it's it's being their mother and you can argue that it's nurturing but i don't i don't think so i think it's not honoring that they are their own sovereign responsible being and we need to let them be that's what i think so i'm on the beach and i'm like oh i need to text him to bring one of my hats for himself because he had a burnt face. He could wear my baseball hat so the sun's not in his eyes and he could protect his face. Why, why, why do I need to mother him? If he's his own sovereign being and he doesn't want the sun on his face and he wants to not have squinty eyes on the beach and wear a baseball cap, he will choose by himself to take one of my baseball caps and bring it to the beach for himself. He is, a, he is an adult. He can do that by himself. He doesn't need me. It's so ridiculous. The eagle will say it's out of love, but I disagree. I disagree. I think it's the ego trying to be superior and feel superior and authoritarian. Like, I know what's best for your body. You need to do this for your body. I think the ego tries to feel spiritual and says, no, this is love. But (laughs) it's not love. Unconditional love just is accepting. Unconditional love accepts everything and everyone. We can't even fathom unconditional love, in my opinion, because... We've very rarely experienced it and don't really know how to display it then. So thankfully, with the hat situation, I did zip my lips. I did not text him because I was aware in the moment. I didn't like just react and text him. I was aware of my thoughts. And then I was just like, okay, no, I do not need to text him about how to take care of his body. That's not my role. Not at all. So... When this type of stuff comes up, I do initially feel 
remorse or guilt or shame. I don't really know between the three what exactly I feel, but I the the thing that's always in my head is just like, why can't I be more loving? Why can't I be more loving? Why did I need to use that tone? Why did I use that tone? And this is and this is has this has always been where I feel the most remorse in my life is why couldn't I have chosen the loving route? And I do I do kind of dwell on it for a tiny bit, but then I know in the next moment I have a choice to choose differently. And I and I might not succeed. But every moment and every hour and every exchange is a new moment where I can choose new. I can choose to be more loving. And it shouldn't be that hard, but our ego is such a strong program. It's so strong because we have so much practice with it. And so I'm just learning now in my 30s of how to act out of my soul from my higher self from the holy spirit this this divinity in me that is accepting that is loving and it's i have to consciously bring it forward it's not just boom here sitting here ready to flow forth i have to consciously bring it forward and that's my free will to just keep on reacting and acting and reacting and acting from my ego, from control, fear, authoritarian, superior, or pull my higher self forward and, and try to forgive and accept my partner and myself for exactly what's happening and what is in the moment. So a book that I always go back to One of my favorite books is A Return to Love by Marianne Williamson. It is a book that I open up almost weekly because I need reminders from this book constantly. So I'm going to read some information from this book that has helped me really digest like what happened in Florida and what happened in Florida wasn't like big fights or anything. There were just small little moments that I realized where my ego was leading me and in control and wanting control. And I just, I don't like how it feels. I don't want that. And so I'm just trying to change that behavior. And it's not easy, obviously. But one of my favorite quotes from A Return to Love. So there's this chapter about relationships and I reread it and reread it all the time. It's a book that she, what does she do? She, Marianne reflects on this huge book called A Course in Miracles that is a very, very spiritual book. And it's kind of like a spiritual version of the Bible. It takes Bible concepts and explains it in a different way. That's the A Course in Miracles book. And then Marianne Williamson in A Return to Love book she further explains these concepts. So they're concepts from a book called A Course in Miracles, but then they are Bible concepts. So this book uses 
Bible words, Bible concepts, and explains it in a spiritual meaning, which I connect with. So this book uses Holy Spirit, God, Jesus, um, Him as God, Him. And I don't use these words necessarily. Like, I don't believe God is a he, so I would never use him. But this book does, and then she uses um, the Holy Spirit words because, of course, a miracle uses these words. So I don't use these words, but regardless, this book is a very spiritual book. It's not a Christian book, but it uses Christian terminology. She's Jewish, and she still talks in this Christian way, which is what I... I like that she doesn't have a Christian background. So one quote that I love so much says, the special love relationship is the ego's chief weapon for keeping you from heaven on earth. The special love relationship is the ego's chief weapon from keeping you from heaven on earth. So when I think back to these Florida moments, My ego was using Malcolm to keep me in need of control, in in judgment, in criticizing, in telling him what to do. And in all of those moments, I then was taken away from experiencing heaven on earth. The ego uses (laughs) these relationships to keep you in hell on earth. Then she goes on to explain that the ego seeks to use relationships to fill our own needs, to fill the ego's own needs. But the Holy Spirit asks that relationships be used by God to serve God's purposes. And God's purpose is always that we might learn how to love others more purely and deeply. We love purely when we release other people to be who they are. The ego seeks intimacy through control and guilt. The Holy Spirit seeks intimacy through acceptance. In a truly holy relationship, we don't seek to change someone, but rather see how beautiful they already are. It is our failure to accept people exactly as they are that gives us pain in a relationship. God's idea of a good relationship and the ego's idea are completely different. To the ego, a good relationship is one in which the other person basically behaves the way we want them to and never presses our buttons or never violates our comfort zones. But if a relationship exists to support our growth, then in many ways, it exists to do just those things. Force us out of our limited tolerance and inability to love unconditionally. We are not aligned with the Holy Spirit until people can behave in any way they choose and our own inner peace is not shaken. There have been times in my life where my thought about a relationship was, oh, this is terrible. But upon further reflection, I realized God would probably be saying, oh, this is good. Marianne gets to see 
her own neuroses more clearly. I think that's how you say that word, neuroses, neurosis. So then earlier in the chapter, she says, she often asks her audiences, what's the first thing we should do when we're attracted to someone? And they always reply at the same time, pray. The prayer goes something like this. Dear God, you know, and I know that I have more potential for neuroses in this area than in any other. Please take my attraction, my thoughts and feelings about this person and use them for your purposes. Let this relationship unfold according to your will. Amen. She says, spiritual progress is like a detoxification. Things have to come up in order to be released. Once we have asked to be healed, then our unhealed places are forced to the surface. A relationship that is used by the Holy Spirit becomes a place where our blocks to love are not suppressed or denied, but rather brought to our conscious awareness. We usually get super crazy around the people we are attracted to. Then we can see our dysfunctions very clearly. And when we are ready, we can ask God to show us another way. As temples of healing, relationships are like a trip to the divine doctor's office. How can a doctor help us unless we show him our wounds? Our fearful places have to be revealed before they can be healed. And lastly, she says, The ego always emphasizes what someone has done wrong, but the Holy Spirit always emphasizes what they've done right. Those are just a few passages from this book, A Return to Love, that I love so much. I open it all the time. It's just, it's because it's just such good reminders. And so I need these constant reminders all the time, all the time. I'm going to end with a few more quotes from the book, just because I love it and I want to share it. So she says, it's easy to forgive people who have never done anything to make us angry. People who do make us angry, however, are our most important teachers. They indicate the limits to our capacity for forgiveness. Forgiveness is the key to inner peace because it is the mental technique by which our thoughts are transformed from fear to love. Our perceptions of other people often become a battleground between the ego's desire to judge and the Holy Spirit's desire to accept people as they are. The ego is the great fault finder. It seeks out the faults in others and ourselves. The Holy Spirit seeks out innocence. The Holy Spirit sees all of us as we really are. And since we are all the perfect creations of God, God loves what he sees. The places in our personality where we tend to deviate from love are not our faults, but our wounds. God does not want to punish us, but to heal us. And that is how he wishes us to view the wounds in other people. Under the Holy Spirit's guidance, we come together to share joy. But under the ego's direction, we come together to share desperation. 
The purpose of a relationship is not for two incomplete people to become one, but rather for two complete people to join together for the greater glory of God. The ego always asks, what can I get? Whereas the Holy Spirit asks, what can I give?